0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a psychologist, an advanced accredited gender, sex and relationship diversity therapist and a sex and intimacy coach. And I've spent the last 30 plus years working with people to help them create and maintain the relationships that they desire that contain sizzling sex and without shame. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet, one letter at a time, and this week the letter is M. And M is for mixed relationships. In this case, mixed is relationships in which one party is identifying as monogamous and the other party is identifying as non-monogamous. So I get asked lots and lots of questions about this, and I... um. Wrote a blog on this in 2017, and I believe it was 2017, and it is probably one of my most consulted blog articles on my website. Um, and the question was: Is it possible to make a relationship work when one person is monogamous and the other person basically isn't? And the short answer to that is: Yes, of course, it's possible. Um, However, it is quite difficult. So uh, on today's show, I wanted to talk a bit about, um, first of all, relationship style and choice and um, what mixed relationships can actually look like and the skills that you might need to help you work your way through them. So there is a spectrum that runs from uh, monogamous which is defined as choosing to be involved with one person uh, romantically and sexually uh, to the exclusion of all other people so this is your sort of normative standard Um, this is what we're mostly taught about from the time that we're small um, at least in the western world certainly Um, this is the find your right person and get married and live quote, unquote, happily ever after. Right. Um, Non-monogamous is a wide variety of relationship styles. Non-monogamous relationships can be consensual, which means everybody has given consent and everybody agrees that a non-monogamous relationship is acceptable and appropriate, or non-consensual, which is the situation when somebody is cheating, So that's where you have not gotten the agreement of your partner to have other partners, and um, then that would be considered non-consensual and therefore cheating. For some people, non-monogamy is their primary relationship style, and they have romantic and sexual relationships with other people. So not simply sexual relationships with other people. They'll talk about loving more than one person at a time. Um, In some situations, these are relationships where everybody lives within the same locale. So when you have three people living together, for example, that can be called a throuple. So everybody lives together. Um, And in other situations, which is in fact more common, uh, people have different partners who live in different places and, and somewhat different times, types of relationships. So, the kind of mixed relationship that I'm most familiar with is when there is a couple who are living together. So, we would can call them nesting or cohabiting. Um, they live in the same place. And one of those people would like to see other people. And the other one absolutely does not want to. In order to make this work, uh, the first thing that is crucial is that there's trust between the parties in the relationship. It's impossible to make any kind of non-monogamous relationship work when there is no trust. And in fact, trust is essential to any good relationship. But it's particularly important if you are looking to have more than one relationship at the same time. So, that's the first thing that's crucial. And a lot of times when people come seeking help, the trust isn't quite there. What are the things that people worry about? Well, people think that monogamy is really the only real style of relationship Um, that's appropriate, then they tend to worry that if their partner sees someone else, they will like that person better and therefore leave them because monogamy is an either-or situation. You can only have one person at a time, so it's either-or, whereas non-monogamy is a both-and. So you don't need to make a choice. You can have relationships with more than one person. But that's the first issue. The trust is around, will this person actually choose someone other than me? The second is area where trust is highlighted is whether or not the person believes that they're being, and it's related, they're being compared to the other people and other relationships. So the concern is that I won't be seen as good enough. And therefore, ultimately, my partner will leave me. And that is the worry that my partner will leave me or that my partner will lie to me um, and uh, generally treat me badly and make a fool out of me, which is, a, is another thing that people are very, very concerned about. So there's no trust that the person will be honest about their feelings, and there's no trust that the person will be honest about their activities. If this is the case starting out, it is very difficult to open up a relationship. The anxiety levels will be far too high. Um, most of the time will be spent uh, second-guessing a partner, worrying about what a partner is doing, um, trying to trap a partner, trying to um, make sure that the partner is uh, still committed to them. it's, It's an awful lot of emotional energy revolving around a negative and a possible negative in an attempt to hold on to something. So, that's why when um, the trust isn't there, to try and open up a relationship is is very difficult. So, when people come to see me and the trust is not present and they're talking about opening up a relationship, either because they're part of a mixed relationship, i.e. one of them is monogamous and the other one is non-monogamous, or because there's been an affair and the solution is to try to open up the relationship, which sometimes Uh, happens, I will usually ask them to dial that part back and to start at the place where they're looking at how they can rebuild their trust. Um, Okay, so I'm I'm picking up questions as I go along, and I've just had a question via email um, from Josie, who is in New York, and she wants to know, Is it okay if I look through my partner's social media and their phone so that I can reassure myself that um, they are trustworthy, that they're actually keeping their word? So thanks for the question. Um, In short, it, it isn't okay or not okay, but it's usually unhelpful. When a trust has been fractured, sometimes I will suggest that what a person does in order to help um, to rebuild trust, that someone really puts a um, very, very clear um, open policy around all of their writings and social media and um, all of their phones and everything so that their partner can um, see that nothing is being done behind their back. And this is particularly when uh, a relationship has been conducted a lot online so that there was a lot of lying and and, um, and um, hidden communication. However, this only works for a short period of time and it should only be used as a way of um, shoring up the person's words. Ultimately, it doesn't work tremendously well and makes everybody feel very restricted. It also kind of gives people the idea that it is acceptable um, to demand to know everything a person thinks, feels, or says um, and that that's somehow acceptable that you would expect to, to have access to every one of your partner's thoughts or communications. When in fact, in actuality, Um, everybody has a right to a degree of privacy in their thoughts and in their communications with others. And then in order to um, have a good, strong, safe relationship, you do need to have the freedom to be able to talk to someone in confidence uh, without uh, being concerned about your partner reading um, and potentially misinterpreting what you've um, said or written. So, I would recommend that um, you don't look at using somebody's uh, communication and being able to read their phone and go into their um, email and social media as a way of reassuring yourself that actually what you work on is building the trust together. You work on doing things uh, together. You work on your partner saying something and then following through on what they've said. Um, and you being able to see the results of that rather than relying on being able to to snoop, in quotes. So thanks again for the question. Uh, we're a couple of minutes from break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about the skills that are necessary to manage in a mixed relationship and what's important. Do keep your questions coming in. You know that you can phone in and you can also email in and I will answer your questions um either during this show or if I don't get them till the end or questions that come in in between shows, I'll pick up in the next show. So I'll be back after um, some words from our sponsors. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
1: Do you have questions about sex and intimacy? Many are too embarrassed to ask, but we've got to know the answers, right? That's where the A to Z of sex comes in. Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee explores every aspect of sex, intimacy, and more. Find out the real answers with Dr. Lori Beth and her expert guests. We also hear from individuals who have experienced the issues we talk about, no matter your gender, sexual preference, or desire. You're welcome here. Learn your erotic ABCs by listening every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: This is the A to Z of Sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at droribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of Sex. Hey
0: everyone, welcome back to the A to Z of Sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And this is part two of M is for mixed relationships and by mixed, we're referring to monogamous. Polyamorous mixes. So before the break, I said we'll talk about the skills that are necessary to really make this work, um, and you will not be surprised to hear that the first uh, set of skills that are really, really essential are communication skills. And it's co- it's of course true that communication skills are essential for any relationship, and the better your communication skills are, the far better your relationship will ultimately be. But when you're dealing with relationships in which people have two very different views about what style a relationship should take and what makes up a good relationship, communication becomes even more important. And that is actually what is going on here. When you've got a mixed relationship, you have two people whose beliefs about what is appropriate in a romantic relationship and what a romantic relationship should look like are different from the, the other person's, right? So the two very different viewpoints. Monogamous people often believe that most of the emotional um, interaction and deep emotional interaction in the person's life should be happening with their partner. Um, Depending on your culture, there's room for friends, but it's expected, and you often hear, you know, my partner's my best friend. That's really a very common statement. Um, People who are, uh, by nature, um, non-monogamous may not look at it that way. Those who are polyamorous, so those who actually have not only physical relationships outside of um, a one-to-one relationship, but have multiple sexual, re- uh, multiple emotional relationships as well. Usually, believe that that you have a whole emotional support network, and that can include a variety of partners and friends. So you would be communicating with more people, and it's a different way of looking at the world, and it's a different way of looking at managing emotion and. Um, celebrating emotion and connection. So when you've got those very large, uh, seemingly large differences in viewpoint, it is essential that you're able to communicate well. The parts of communication that are important include being able to listen, harder than it sounds sometimes, um, being able to clearly communicate your thoughts and feelings, making sure you're able to acknowledge what the other person is saying and, and having techniques to gain understanding, and having good negotiation skills. In addition, it's essential that you have good emotional management skills. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, it is kind of like it says on the tin. These are the skills that help us to manage our feelings. So, for example, one of the most important emotional management skills that you can have is self-soothing skills. These are the skills that you have that allow you to soothe yourself when upset without requiring you to get soothing from someone else. Now, many people look to other people to soothe them when they're upset. So, if you're in the middle of a row with somebody, you might talk to uh, a friend. You might want a hug from a partner when you're very upset. Um, You might… want to cuddle when you're extremely upset, and all of this is fine, nothing wrong with this, but there are lots of situations in which we're unable to get comfort and support from others. And if you don't have the ability to soothe yourself in those circumstances, it can be incredibly difficult to get through difficult times. Uh, People who don't have self-soothing skills can find it hard to put emotion aside and return to uh, work. When they need to go to work, they feel they need to resolve an argument or a disagreement right now because they have no way of setting that emotion aside and getting on with with anything else in their day. Um, They may find it really hard to bring the level of emotion down to uh, one that they can… live with comfortably, move around with comfortably. So if they get very, very upset, they stay at that very high pitch of upset, which is is not only emotionally painful, but can become quite physically painful. So learning to self-soothe is essential. Now, most of us learn to self-soothe when we're babies. Uh, We learn um, if we've got good parents, good enough parents, that um, our parents will take care of us, look after us when we're upset. And we learn how to do this for ourselves um, at a very young age. So children will suck their thumbs. Babies will cry themselves to sleep or rock themselves to sleep. They learn that eventually someone will come and take care of their needs. So it's okay to act to calm themselves down. Um If you don't learn these skills as a baby, as a young child, you can learn them as a grown-up. That's the good news. It is harder work to learn them as a grown-up, but you can do it. And it is essential for having good relationships across the board um, and for keeping your stress levels manageable as well. When you can't self-soothe, stress can be so, so intense, and it can be very difficult to get your stress to a level That is manageable on a day-to-day basis. So there's that. Um, Other emotional management skills are um, ones that help you to express emotion clearly. So some people don't have lots of emotion words. They don't do well expressing their feelings. So I always advise that if you're not good at describing and expressing your feelings, that you. Do some learning because that is really important in terms of relationships uh, and, and, and managing any relationship, let alone managing a mixed relationship. Anger management skills is another one, how you express your anger so that you are expressing your anger appropriately. But also when it comes to relationships, you want to be looking at how you express your emotions in ways that the other person is most likely to be able to hear you. Because it does no good you expressing yourself if your partner is unable to hear you, either because they are too upset uh, by what you're saying or doing, or or their emotions are getting in the way, or um, they feel threatened by what you're saying or doing. Um, In order to be able to really um, work out emotional issues and disagreements in in a couple, you need to be able to hear each other and understand each other's feelings and have empathy for each other. So that is be able to stand in each other's shoes um, and then work towards a solution. And all of that becomes very, very difficult if you're feeling threatening, uh, feeling threatened. Um, or uh, feeling the other person is not trying to hear you. So these skills are essential in any relationship, but in a mixed relationship, they become even more important. I like to tell people when you're talking about mixed relationships that it's useful to think of this as a relationship between people of two cultures and also a relationship between people who speak two different languages, If you've ever had um, a conversation with somebody whose first language is different from your first language, you know that it can be uh, tricky to make sure that you are understanding what they're saying and that they're understanding what you're saying. And that it can take patience um, and a lot more explanation in order to make sure that you are actually communicating, because communicating requires that we understand each other. So this is an area where it is worthwhile learning extra vocabulary and extending your vocabulary. Think of it as coming from two different lands and make sure that you're able to describe your needs, your wants, and your desires in as much detail as possible, using as non-threatening language as you can. Um, Okay, so what kinds of mixed relationships do I usually see? Uh, A lot of the time, the relationships that I see that are mixed is one person is monogamous and the other person who's non-monogamous simply wants to have multiple sexual relationships Not really have multiple emotional relationships. And in some ways, those are are easier to manage because you've got, um, you don't have the same level of feelings of direct competition as you do when um, one person desires to have multiple emotional relationships. People tend to feel the emotional part of the relationship as being somewhat more threatening. Um, Now, for many people, connection is connection. So, of course, you're going to have feelings uh, if you're having a sexual relationship with somebody. The difference is whether or not you're planning a relationship that involves um, a full life with it. So, for example, uh, taking holidays together, doing hobbies together, um, maybe even sharing some financial expenses, um, introducing people to family and friends, where you've got a full life in your relationship and you're going to have multiple of those, or where you're having a relationship where actually the, the other person that you're not living with is somebody that you have a private relationship with um, and, and really you're just spending time sexually together rather than um, um, getting involved in lots of other activities and getting uh, deeply emotionally involved. And those sorts of relationships tend to be a bit easier for people who are monogamous to manage. Uh, they're, they're, the times that they're difficult for someone who's monogamous to manage is if they're making comparisons. So, for example, they're, they're thinking, well... Um, I'm not good enough because if I was, my partner wouldn't want to have sex with anyone else. That That's a problematic one. Not not that somebody might want to have sex with different people because they enjoy difference and variety. Um, if you're unable to look at it as difference and variety and you're and you're personalizing it and saying, well, this has got something to do with what happens with me, then you're going to find it very difficult to manage. So one of the areas that uh, I advise people to work on is their self-image and their self-esteem, and to know that their partner wanting somebody else is not a reflection on them. And that can take some degree of personal work in order to be able to be comfortable with that. So we are now a couple of minutes from break again, and when I return, we'll talk more about these skills that are useful um, if you're going to try and negotiate a mixed relationship, and I'll answer some more questions. I'll be back after a couple of words from our sponsors.
1: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: Listen every Tuesday at
1: 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And this week it is M is for mixed relationships. That's monogamous and polyamorous mixed relationships. And this is part three. So before the break, um, I was talking about the fact that um, the monogamous person often finds themselves in a position in order to be able to work with this to have to do some personal work particularly if they feel that um, somehow the non-monogamous person's desire to be with someone else is a reflection on them. So if you think about that for a second, um, that people can feel that it is, it is a reflection on their attractiveness, on their desirability, um, on the relationship that their partner wants to see someone else rather than understanding that someone may simply want some variety in their romantic lives, um, and that it may be no reflection on them whatsoever. It's got nothing to do. There's no comparison. Um, I find, interestingly, that when people are – sometimes people find it easier to accept their partner's desire for another partner when the partner is very different from them. For example, um, if a woman is bisexual, um, a man may find it easier to accept her desire for a female partner, but not find it comfortable if she is seeking out another male partner. Again, that, is a, that, that comes from a rationalization. Okay, what she wants is something I can't give her, right? Because um, the anatomy is different. So there's, um, there's an understanding there of why, um, and it's, it's easier to be clear that this isn't about you per se. It's not some lack in you. If you understand that your partner's looking for something very different, then you can say, well, in, in my category, I am, you know, I'm what she wants, but in, she also wants things in other categories. Um, so that's um, one time where it can sometimes be a little bit easier for people to understand. Um, however, you can um, run into difficulty because that isn't always the case, and that sometimes people simply want variety. Um, and uh, this is um, not a situation where you're looking at one per category. So, doing the work on yourself and understanding, you know, having good self esteem, understanding your own worth will make handling this kind of a relationship far easier but also doing the work to understand what your place in the relationship is. So it's not just you having your own worth as a human, but where you stand in the relationship. If you know your relationship is strong um, and resilient, then you are less likely to be concerned about, other relationships that your partner might choose to have, and that's not just sexual ones, but um, emotional ones. That might be friends. I mean, sometimes uh, I have people who come to see me who are uncomfortable with the amount of time their partners spend talking with their friends, not just with, not just any desire for other partners. Um, one of the other issues that comes up is a lack of understanding why. So um, I'll hear things like. Um, That's just greedy, or um, but they should be satisfied with one, or does this mean the person's less mature and they're not ready to settle down? So it's a lack of recognition that um, for some people, monogamy is not their relationship style of choice. For some people, monogamy is um, not the way that they desire to live. And for others, they find it almost impossible to live that way. Um, this is a spectrum. And in my experience, there are people who are quite naturally monogamous. They may uh, not be wedded to the doctrine of monogamy. They're just quite naturally monogamous. They prefer and are more comfortable with one relationship at a time. Uh, They don't wish. To share um, and they aren't comfortable sharing, and there it is. There are other people who are actually quite naturally non monogamous. They're more comfortable with having multiple relationships. They're fine about sharing. They have less issues around jealousy, as it is in, in, in a more general term. They might have specific jealousies because we all can have specific jealousies in specific situations, but in general, they experience less jealousy. Um, and they are not at all comfortable with um, being restricted to uh, one relationship only. And that is, um, in, in these situations, a need rather than a desire. It isn't simply, well, I'd like to try this. It is, this is how I, I feel I am, and this is how I'd like to live. So there is a spectrum of where people fall in this. And it's important to realize that when you're looking at how you negotiate a situation that is mixed. If you are somebody who is monogamous, period, you've always been monogamous, you can't imagine being anything other than monogamous. Um, The idea of being anything other than monogamous is really uncomfortable to you. And your partner is saying, well, I'd like you to try too. I mean, one thing, it's good that you're happy for me to be Um, having relationships outside our relationship, but I'd actually like you to try too. I'm not comfortable with me being the only one who's acting outside the relationship. That's somebody who may not be comfortable with that. Um, And you need to be clear that that may not fit at all for them for their style. You also need to be clear that asking some people to give up non-monogamy is like asking some people who are... um, gay as an orientation to become straight, that it is that ingrained and that uh, essential of a need rather than a desire, so that you might actually be asking somebody to change their entire way of having relationships in in a way that they're going to find very difficult to do and that you need to be considering that when you're talking about this early on and negotiating this early on in a mixed relationship. So doing the personal work so that you are actually feeling good about you and you're feeling good and solid um, about your position in any relationship makes it easier to deal with the emotional issues that come up when you're in a mixed relationship because it makes it easier for you to separate out those issues that have to do with your insecurities and those issues that are really related to what's going on right now. If you're going to have a mixed relationship, it's important that you've got really clear boundaries. And again, not surprisingly, good boundaries are essential in all relationships. And um, it's one of the areas that I find that people are frequently missing skills. People are often not very good at setting boundaries and not very good at keeping boundaries. They find boundaries very difficult, but boundaries are essential to living happily and um, um, having really effective productive relationships. So if we start there, um, boundaries are really good skill in terms of negotiating mixed and uh, mixed relationships. So things like boundaries around your time is one that's really important. What kind of time are you going to ring fence off for this mixed relationship? An important thing to consider, right? Um, it's one of the things that can make it manageable. If the monogamous person is clear that there's a certain amount of time that's being devoted to their relationship and um, that uh, they've negotiated that time and that if changes are going to be made, that will be negotiated too. Sometimes they want uh, they, they, they want to negotiate the centrality of their relationship. And then this can be an issue. Um, uh, I, I want to be clear that um, I am not somebody who is going to say that any hierarchy means that um, uh, something damaging in a relationship. I do not agree with that. I know that's the, the the received wisdom at the moment, the dogma at the moment is that you should all your relationships should be equal. And but in practice, um, people will have heard me say this before. In practice, making things equal really doesn't work because what does equal really look like? Um, it's very, very difficult. And I'll give you an example. So, you know, we're going to argue about equality. So let's say we say everybody's going to have equal time, but um, I get time on the weekend and you get time during the week when people are working. Is that the same kind of time? No, it's not. On the weekend when I'm well-rested and I don't have other responsibilities I can do whatever I want, right? I can enjoy myself in many ways that I cannot during the week. So if I'm the person who only gets during the week time, the activities I can um, engage in with you are going to be restricted by virtue of the fact that um, I'm working the next day. Or maybe I work late. You know, my hours are, are unpredictable. If I use myself as an example, like uh, tonight, at the moment, it's 20 to 8 in the evening and I'm not done working. And in fact, I have something that I'm doing after this. So, I actually won't be finished working until about 11 o'clock tonight. So, if you were the partner that got uh, weekday time with me, um, uh, today, you would see very little of me, Right. So, your weekday time with me would mean very little today, Um, whereas if you were the person who had weekend time with me on uh, Saturday, um, I might work on Sunday, I had nothing to do. So, you would have had a whole um, day where I could do anything I want. We could do whatever we want because there's nothing on that day. So, all time is not equal. So, if we use, O oh, equal time, then we have to define what equal time looks like. Um, it gets more complicated when you think about what is important to people. So, certain types of activities might be important to one person and not to the other. So, we're going to divide those equally. For example, um, oh, everybody gets, you know, a winter holiday and a summer holiday. Great. But what if, what if winter holidays are not something I like? If they're not something I enjoy. So it becomes very difficult to create anything that actually um, feels equal. It may look equal on paper, but it doesn't feel equal. And you get caught up in all these divisions and you get caught up in, in trying to create this artificial sense of things are the same. They're different relationships. They're not the same. Far better to actually describe what you're going to do in certain relationships and be clear about what you're ring fencing and and the boundaries that you're making. Far better. Far better to be saying, um, I will be spending at least X number of nights home in any given month. Or um, these activities are activities that I do with this partner, but I don't do with that partner. So that you're actually creating something that works. And you also need to recognize the amount of energy and attention that's put into a relationship and the longevity of a relationship. Uh, if you have been together with your nesting partner who's monogamous for the last 10 years and suddenly and now you're negotiating opening up um, for one of you, the idea that the new partner coming in would get equal parts of the resources and equal parts of the time and equal parts of the attention um, is not likely to go well. And that's not likely to go well uh, whether both of you are, are non monogamous or you're in a mixed relationship. Okay, so we are a couple of minutes from break again, believe it or not, and we'll be back at the last section after some words from our sponsors. And um, we'll talk a little bit more about this and wrap this up and talk about more resources and next steps. I'll see you in a couple of minutes.
1: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
0: Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine
1: and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy
0: business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Addiction. It's something many of us face. It can be nearly anything. Food, sex, alcohol, cannabis, heroin, or dependence on prescription drugs like pain pills, Xanax, Clonopin, or Ativan. Dr. Patricia Halligan hosts Recovery, The Hero's Journey. This groundbreaking program explores the many facets of addiction, including expert observations, best practices to help patients, and treatment options. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
1: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at DrLoriBethBisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And this week, it is M is for mixed relationships. That's monogamous mixed with non-monogamous. And this is the final part of So before the break, we were talking about um, the different ways in which we can negotiate relationship time and space. And we were talking a bit about equality um, and the unhelpfulness of seeking equality um, in these sorts of relationships. And I wanted to um, highlight that the important bit here is to Negotiate something that feels good to all parties. That's the important bit, regardless of, of how much time. And I wanted to um, um, talk a little bit about the fact that one of the things that's most useful, again, is some education on the different kinds of feelings that people have when they enter into new relationships. So it's really useful for uh, the monogamous party to understand what new relationship energy is and for the non-monogamous party to remember to be putting uh, time and energy and attention into their existing relationships so that that um, doesn't uh, feel neglected or stale. Um, It's... um, Sometimes a hard balance, and it can be particularly hard in a mixed relationship. It's easier when somebody is experienced. Uh, with this, and knows that um, they too have these experiences when they have new partners, and they can kind of take the attitude, Well, I'll go through this at some point, too, so I, they can give somebody a little bit more latitude. Whereas when we're dealing with somebody who is monogamous, they're not going to have this experience, they're not used to having these feelings, and so it can be much harder to bear. In order to make this work, it's important that you check with your partner what is it that they need? What do they need and what can you do that will help them manage this better? So, on the one hand, we've already talked about people doing their individual work, making sure that their, their self-esteem is good, making sure that they're very clear of their own wants, needs, and desires, making sure that they have good skills, communication skills, emotional management skills, anger management skills, negotiation skills, but also um, asking your partner, what do you need in this relationship? So we want to set really good boundaries. Make sure we're really clear what the boundaries of our relationships are. Make sure we're clear about our own personal boundaries. How much of your relationship are you going to share? What are you going to talk about? Don't forget the emotional ones, like what you're going to talk about, what you're going to share with other partners. If you're having sex with multiple people, what does sex- safe sex look like? Are there any relationships that are off limits? For example, no relationships with any of my friends, with anybody that I know. Please don't have relationships in the same town in which we live. These are all things you can negotiate. There is no one right or wrong way of doing this, but you do need to negotiate all of it. And then asking your partner what you can do to help them if they're having a difficult time with this is another so, do we need to make sure we keep a calendar? Are there certain days that are sacrosanct? Like, how do you deal with things like Christmas? And this is a big deal. Do you never have Christmas with anybody but your monogamous partner? Again, you know, there will be people who will say that there are rights or wrongs and things that are ethical or not ethical to do in this situation. I'm not going to do that because I don't think it's useful because I think each Individual situation is individual. And so I think it's really important that what people learn how to do is to talk these issues through. How are you going to deal with jealousy? You know, what are the things that that, that spark off jealousy, but also how are you going to deal with it? What are you going to do about it? Is it uh, acceptable to ask somebody to take a break? No? Yes. Again, no right or wrong, but it is definitely something that you need to be looking at. Okay, so these are the basics in managing a mixed relationship. Again, reminding you that everything needs to be consensual. It is really important that you're transparent and you're honest and that you negotiate consensually with your partner. The idea of Um, asking for forgiveness instead of asking for permission does not work with relationships at all. It makes things worse. It causes problems. It causes long lasting damage. Anything that is going to fracture the trust is really, really, really unhelpful. As I started at the beginning of this, it is incredibly difficult to rebuild trust once you've fractured it. So you're better off not fracturing it in the first place if you can help it. I'm looking to see if there's a further question here. Yep. Um, Okay. What do you do if your partner won't even consider the possibility of a mixed relationship? You can't force your partner into anything. You can't. Um, you don't want to be coercing your partner into anything. If your partner won't even consider a mixed relationship, then you need to make some decisions about what's most important to you. Is this the right partner for you? That's a question you need to ask yourself. Um, if this is, how are you going to manage your desires um, and still be true to the agreement you have with your partner? Again, you need to be making agreements and they need to be agreements that you can stick to. So um, we are coming close to the end of the show. Um, Next week is N and I am looking forward to that. If you want more information on any of the things that I talk about, particularly monogamy, non-monogamy, um, kink, BDSM, you can find more information on my website, DrLaurieBethBisbee.com. I'm on Instagram at, at DrBisbee, TikTok, Lori Beth uk, Twitter at DrBisbee. I've got an Instagram live tonight at uh, five p.m. Eastern time with my sister, Mrs. Blue Frost, and we will be talking about um, what obedience looks like. So you might want to come and join us over on Instagram. Uh, Look out for my holiday gift guide, which will be coming out at the beginning of November. It's that time of year again, and I got some great products pulled together and some great services pulled together for you to consider gifting that special someone or even consider gifting yourself. Have a fantastic week. Be safe, enjoy, and I look forward to seeing all of you next week.